Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody, if you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and this is Stuff You Should Know, featuring Jerry. And Livia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Livia uh, helped us this with one. this one, yeah, on watermelons. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I just literally came up with this idea because I was eating watermelon, and I was like, you know what? Watermelon's delicious, but I know there's a, a history there, mm-hmm. and I know there are square watermelons, mm-hmm. and and like uh, I don't know if you're like me, but like like nine eleven and like when Reagan was shot, I remember where I was the day that I saw my first square watermelon. On oh, really? Line. Huh? Yeah, it was during House Stuff Works. I think it might have even been you. I showed you a square watermelon. I mean, not in person. Hmm. But well, they are expensive. You're like, hey, come here and look at this over my shoulder. Check and I was like, ooh yeah. la la, what's going I on? I opened up my trench coat and there was a square watermelon there. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I just the square watermelon has uh, entra- enchanted me for years now. And I didn't even know that there were heart-shaped watermelons until no. two days ago. That's so cute. Are you bummed now that you understand the the where, how the watermelons get so square? Well, no, because I knew how they got square but oh, okay. wh- whoever told me about this at how stuff works at our old job mm-hmm. told me it was because in Japan they have small refrigerators and they make them to fit more easily in a Japanese refrigerator but I don't think that that part is true right that i believe based on what i've read is a myth that we're going to crumble yep should we go in on square watermelons yeah, sure, why not? So um, they were invented in Japan, as pretty much all perfect things were. And there was a guy named um, Tomoyuki Ono, and he was an artist. He also happened to be a horticulturist. And back in the 70s, he figured out how to make square watermelons and, and created a patent on it. And they're so charming that within a year, they were, all, they were ready for sale. They went from an art gallery, like basically an art project, to for sale in Tokyo within a, you know less than one year. That's right. Uh, and they are grown in Japan, and they are grown in containers. Uh, and it's sort of like a goldfish. They grow to fit their container, mm-hmm. uh, including the round ones and the pyramid-shaped ones, which are really interesting looking. But mm-hmm. they are not very good to eat, and they cost about 100 bucks in Japan. And so I think that it is definitely a crumbled myth that they are grown just to fit into Japanese refrigerators. Yeah, because nobody eats them. You don't eat them. So myth crumbled. Kapow. And is a Japanese refrigerator small? That is probably true, yes. I mean, most most appliances in Japan are smaller than the ones you find in America. Well, I think America leads the way in humongous appliances, right? Yeah, and humongous portions and stuff like yeah, that. humongous everything. We need humongous appliances. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if you haven't ever seen a square watermelon or a heart-shaped watermelon, especially a wa- heart-shaped watermelon that's cut open, because that's the real money shot. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. It's uh, it's really amazing looking and a little bit of, of a brain twister. Do you know I'm such a loser? I didn't bother to look up what a, a heart-shaped really? watermelon looks like. You're like, well, yes. I know what a heart looks like, and I know what a watermelon looks like. <laughs> yeah, let's put it together. And then you said cut open. I'm like, cut open, yes, you got to see that. Yeah, and the little uh, the pyramid one looks more like a, a Hershey's Kiss, like a giant Hershey's Kiss. Oh, okay. I imagine like pretty much a perfect rounded edged pyramid, but 
Hershey's Kiss, I could take Which is, that. would be great for a fridge, because part of the problem with a watermelon in the fridge is uh, the shape. Those things roll around in there, and they're huge. That It is a big problem, but as we'll see, you shouldn't really be keeping in the fridge very much mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but let's talk watermelons and where All they right. came from, because they, it turns out, watermelons are beloved around the world. I mean, people love watermelons around the world. From what I read, Chuck, <clears throat> there is only livestock have more agricultural land dedicated to raising them than watermelons. They take up so much space, but people love them so much that they just go ahead and give the watermelons the space. And apparently by weight, it's the third most eaten fruit in the world. But really the second because the tomato, come on. I know it's a fruit. I mean, it's like... But like if you think fruit, I'm just going to go ahead and say the order is banana than watermelon as far as most eaten. I agree. I think calling a tomato a fruit is like saying coup de grace at a party. Right. Or saying a brownie's a cookie. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. What kind of a jerk would say something stupid like that? Especially insist on it in a, in a pedantic argument. <laughs> hey, that wasn't even you. You were just, you were seeing stuff online, right? You didn't invent that. Yeah, I was misled by internet rumors. Uh, the watermelon, though, is a berry, technically, uh, which means it has, the outer part is hard. It's got a fleshy middle. And then the inner part is softer and has the seeds. Uh, we'll get to the seedy part later, of course, because we don't really have seeds in our watermelons anymore. And then if you want to talk more specific, it's called a pepo, P-E-P-O, which means as a thick rind, like a squash or a pumpkin. You're going with pepo? I'm, I don't care what it's called. Peepo? It's pepo for me. Okay. Pepo, pepo, watermelon's a pepo. <laughs> Dude? I love it. Yeah, pepo. Okay. And it's a berry, too. I mean, watermelons just got twice as good to me. Yeah, I dare you to go to the uh, grocery store next time and say, hey, where do you keep the peepa berries? <laughs> <laughs> the square ones. Yeah, you got any square peepa berries? <laughs> Security. <laughs> so uh, watermelons are also related to squash and pumpkin, but they're most closely related to cucumbers because yeah. they're part of the cucurbitacea family. Um, and other melons are too, but I believe cucumbers and watermelons are pretty close together, um, even though you wouldn't necessarily know it to look at them. But specifically, watermelon species are Citrullus lanatus, and all of the different kinds of watermelons that we have, from what I understand, are varieties of that species. That's right. Uh, And we've known for a long, long time that watermelons came from Africa, Thank you, Africa, for this gift to the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was more recently where they kind of zeroed in on exactly where. Uh, There are a lot of melons in Africa that you could call a watermelon. Um, They are different kinds of citrullus. Citrullus? Citrullus? Either one. Okay. Species. Uh, But these are a little more pale. They're not like that deep, sweet red, Mm -hmm. which means they're not going to be as sweet. Uh, either in taste, so they're they're more bitter or more bland. Yeah, uh, and they can be used over there. They still use these things. They'll mash up the seeds and using them to thicken a soup, or uh, maybe they'll just eat the seeds, roast them up, and eat them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'll use them for water, just like clean water, because a watermelon is mostly water. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, I can't remember the main character in the Gods Must Be Crazy's name. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But he cuts open like a, a something that I assume is a, a species of watermelon and mm-hmm. drinks the water out of it. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of different kinds of species of watermelons, but none of them are like the ones that we um, commercially grow and produce, which are typically referred to as dessert watermelons to differentiate that mm. they're sweet and tasty and not I've never bitter. Heard of that. I like it. Yeah, I ran across it in this. I think it's a, a great little, almost like cellar door, dessert watermelon. Yeah, because you usually do hand it out after a meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a great American tradition. It's delicious. I, I have wonderful memories being a kid, eating watermelon with my granddad and spitting those seeds out back when they used to have seeds, or I would sure. put them in between my fingers because they're slippery and I would shoot them. Uh-huh. Uh, just great memories of watermelon, and I still love it. And, and my daughter just can eat ungodly amounts of watermelon. Is that right? Oh, yeah, she loves it. That's cute. It's delicious. It's sweet. It's watery. Who doesn't like it? 
apparently there's somebody who ranked watermelon and oh, said man. it's gross. It, it says Read that. Read that thing. Okay. The name of the fruit literally tells you that eating it is going to be the most boring experience of your life. It has the same bland, mediocre taste of all the melons, except the pleasantly chewy melon flesh is replaced by barely fruity-flavored wet sand. What a fun, fun person to be around. (laughs) Please corner me at the next party I'm at. Yeah, they probably say coup de grace. Give me all your opinions. (laughs) <laughs> so you said that eating watermelon is a is a great American tradition. Indeed. But Americans are relative newcomers compared to other countries that have longstanding traditions of enjoying watermelon, too. Because like you said, they've kind of figured out that somewhere in Northeast Africa, perhaps Egypt, perhaps uh, the area that's now Sudan, um, where the Nubians used to run the show— they probably, speaking on from um, recent genetic tests, um, are the ones who domesticated the watermelon over many, many hundreds, if not thousands of years of just selecting for sweeter and sweeter seeds. And then it spread, starting probably with Egypt, because Egypt traded with everybody in the Mediterranean, uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, it reached across the Mediterranean by... Uh, maybe 24 to 2,500 years ago. It hit India, strangely, um, the 9th century CE, so not that long ago. China mm-hmm. by the 10th century. So it's it's weird that it took that long, but it definitely spread. One of the reasons why it did spread is because it's fairly easy to grow, and it grows just about anywhere. It's adapted from plants that can survive in semi-arid conditions, you know? Yeah, and this, you know, we have the Spanish to thank for bringing it to the Americas. And, you know, they introduced them to the Native Americans, and they were like, hey, this is, this grows like one of the three sisters, our beloved squash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we think we could grow this stuff. And the Native Americans grew it in abundance, traded it in abundance, such that by the end of the 17th century, there was watermelon all over what we now call the United States. And when the Europeans arrived, they were like, they thought it was native to here because they were growing so much of it. Yeah, I guess as late as the 1980s, they were like still debating whether it was of European origin or if it, if uh, the North Americans had it first. But they've definitively traced it back to Africa. What's still um, under debate, Chuck, is whether it was the Spanish that introduced it oh, or— really? Oh, yeah, or whether it was some of the first um, enslaved people from West Africa that brought it over with them. Um, that, I think, is still up for debate. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They'll well, get to the bottom of it someday. Uh, Livia does point out, though, that there are different words for watermelon that are completely unrelated in Arabic and Hebrew and Sanskrit and Greek and Spanish. And that's a good indication that it is, uh, if the words aren't like one another, that they have all had watermelon for a long, long time. Right. So watermelons all over the world. It's been a, a long-standing part of um, the United States' history, a pretty since before the United States was even a thing. Um, and Thomas Jefferson apparently famously grew watermelons at Monticello and said that there was nothing better than a Virginia watermelon. And he was kind of on to something because apparently— I don't know if it was after Jefferson or not, but yeah, it would have been after Jefferson because as the railroads came along um, and it was getting easier and easier to ship things like watermelons long distance, um, they they developed a kind of watermelon that wasn't quite as good but traveled a lot better. Yeah. And they would keep the good stuff to themselves in the South where the watermelon naturally grows and flourishes best. And they would send these other ones that didn't taste quite as good up north because they figured they didn't know any different. That's right. And, um, you know, for there was a time in America after the Civil War when uh, former enslaved people actually could support themselves and sustain themselves outside the plantations by growing and selling watermelons and being farmers. But, of course, that got ruined because – uh, starting at about the Civil War, white people turned it into a racist trope mm-hmm. of black people eating watermelons. And it has been in everything from birth of a nation to uh, to yard art uh, kind of supporting this racist trope over the years. Yeah, and what really sucks about it is that, like, it had its intended effect 
and that there are black Americans who report still being uncomfortable eating watermelon around other white Americans. Yeah. Which is, it's just so maddening that that's still a thing. And I mean, it is, and it's going to be a thing until people just say like, this is, this is ridiculous. And hopefully learning about the watermelon from us will help some people say this is ridiculous and stupid. And it's always been. Because one other thing about it too, Chuck, is that at the time, those same racist Southerners and white people across the country who were associating watermelon, uh, enjoying watermelon with, with black people, were enjoying it themselves. Oh, of course they liked they were. it just as much. Yeah. It was just because they could uh, grow and sell watermelons and it, it represented freed it black independence yeah. uh-huh. and that threatened them that they used watermelons as a trope and just very juvenilely started equating it with all sorts of just dumb stuff. It's just I'm so sick of this stuff, Chuck. I know. I know. All right. Well, let's take a break and uh I'm going to give you a little shoulder rub through the computer. Thank you. Thanks. It'll be fantastic. It'll settle you down. (laughs) And we're going to talk about the great Charleston Gray right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website. Whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, friends. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. Like, what are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood the best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Yeah, well, now it is, everybody, on Homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. 
Homes.com. We've done your homework. Okay, I mentioned Charleston Gray. If you're like, who's Charleston Gray and why do I care? It's a great hotel check-in name. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty good. That's the uh, kind that they comp a uh, free breakfast to. You know what I'm saying? That That's that kind of name. Well, Mr. Gray, Dr. Gray, <laughs> do you ever put any weird uh, prefix when you're checking into stuff and signing up for stuff? Uh, sometimes Esquire. All right, I'll do Esquire or Doctor usually. Mm-hmm. It's always fun. I don't know, Re- Reverend occasionally, even though oh, I really? technically am a Reverend now. I would not want to be cornered on that one, so yeah. I've never I've shied away. Okay. But yeah, you can be like, I've got the bona fides. Uh, so Charleston Gray was uh, is the name of not a human being, but it's the name of a watermelon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the human's name was Charleston and uh, Charles Andrus of the USDA's Agricultural Research Service, the ARS, uh, and the Vegetable Breeding Laboratory there. And he created the Charleston Gray watermelon in 1954. And why do you care? It's because 95% of the watermelons grown all over the world now have a lineage tied to the Charleston Gray. Yeah. And so remember, we said that like all of the watermelons that you would ever come across or eat that you buy at a store, that's all just one species of watermelon. They're just different varieties. Yeah. 95% of those are related to the same variety. And that means that they came upon one that tastes really good, ships really well. That was a big one. It's also resistant to some diseases and pests, but it also makes it extremely vulnerable. If there's ever a pest or a disease that can attack the Charleston Gray, it's going to wipe out all the watermelons because they're all very genetically similar. That's right, and that's why uh, the ARS, not the Atlanta Rhythm Section. (laughs) We're going to have us a champagne jam. (laughs) All right, here we go. Uh, ARS is still looking into how to make watermelons more hardy, and they're looking at wild watermelon Mm -hmm. species in Africa. Mm -hmm. They're looking at all kinds of varieties around the world and looking how to breed them. Uh, with less pesticides, and the, the, so the, the big watermelon apocalypse never happens. So, yeah, one thing they're doing, well, the reason that they're really looking at it is there's something called, uh, I think, methyl bromide, which was like a, a fog pesticide and maybe fungicide. It, did, it killed a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that, that um, Charleston Grays are vulnerable to. Uh, but it also burns a hole in the ozone layer. So it got banned in mm-hmm. Europe 10 years ago, and it was recently banned here in the United States. And so they're really trying to figure this out. So they looked to Europe and said, hey, Europe, what'd you do when you couldn't use methyl bromide? And Europe said, we started using different root stock. So yeah. they'll take the rooty part of the plant from squash plants, apparently are really useful for this. Mm-hmm. And they graft a, um, a watermelon plant onto the top of it, the top part of the watermelon plant, stems and seeds and all that. And it grows together to create this super plant that has, it produces great watermelons, but it's also resistant to these diseases and pests. Which goes back to the Native Americans being great at growing watermelons because squash is one of the three sisters. Exactly. And they had Pretty experience. Neat. It's really cool. I love that stuff. Maybe we should do a uh, short stuff on the three sisters. That'd be cool. You know, it factored heavily into um, 1491. It pops up a bunch in that book. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned seedlessness because if you have eaten a watermelon in the past, oh, 30-something years, it probably doesn't have seeds like they did when you were a kid if no. you're an old-timer like us. Uh, at least not those big mature black seeds that were great for spitting and uh, and flicking. Uh, they had those little undeveloped white seeds a little bit. But the seedless watermelon was another – Invention uh, by another Japanese geneticist. Mm-hmm. I think the other one was an artist and horticulturalist, but this is geneticist uh, Hitoshi Kihara. And in 1939, invented this seedless watermelon that started being available in the 1950s. And what's remarkable about this is, is that it's basically a, a, a manual operation requ- that's required to make seedless watermelons. Yeah, you use um, something called colchicine, which takes a regular diploid watermelon with two pairs of chromosomes, two copies of the chromosome, um, 
and turns it into a tetraploid so that there's four copies of each chromosome. And you take the diploid and the tetraploid and you pollinate them, you cross-fertilize them. And what you produce is called, a, uh, I think, a triploid. And a triploid plant, because it doesn't have an even number of copies of chromosomes, it's sterile. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't produce seeds. So that's how you get your seedless watermelon. And it's a real B word to raise seedless watermelons because part of your crop has to be diploid, regular seeded watermelons to right. use to fertilize them. But um, And at first, I guess farmers were kind of like, I'm not doing all that. Who wants a seedless watermelon anyway? And there was a guy named Ori Eigste, great name. Mm-hmm. And in 1954, he's like, people are going to love this. And this guy just worked away at it, worked away at it, and kept perfecting the seedless watermelon. Um, but it wasn't until the late 80s that um, he, he finally managed to get it to take off. He partnered with a company called Sun World International, right? Yeah, his first company was American Seedless Watermelon Corp. And uh, it took partnering with the giant like a giant in the industry, a big agribusiness company mm-hmm. to, to really have it take off. And it did. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's amazing. I think a lot of people uh, think it's a commodification and that is not true. It's actually a manual process that, like you said, is a real pain in the butt to farmers. And they mm-hmm. had to get on board with this because the way they have to grow them and uh, keep them separated and uh, it, it's really a lot of work, but they were uh, – I guess Ori was right on the money because people do love the seedless water. I kind of miss the seeds, but I have to admit the seedless are are easier to work with. Yeah, I think 90% are are seedless. And if you walk into a grocery store today, Chuck, and you ask for a watermelon with seeds, you're going to be hard-pressed to find one because they're just (laughs) – seedless are so prevalent. And it's so crazy to me. Like I I, I realize that my niece Mila, who stars as Jay in the 20th Century Fox movie No Exit – has was born into a world where there's never really been a seeded watermelon. She's never seen a seeded watermelon in her life. Yeah, like she wouldn't walk into a grocery store and say, can I have a square-seeded peepa berry? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they would say, hey, wait a minute. Aren't you the star of the Hulu hit motion picture? No She'd exit? say, well, s- star is such a relative term, isn't it? <laughs> where did they shoot that? Was that Atlanta? New Zealand. Oh, geez. Mm -hmm. Man, so she's really getting to live the life, huh? They shot it in New Zealand at the height of the pandemic when New Zealand had like zero cases. Yeah, that's where you want to be. Yeah, it was pretty neat. But they had to like quarantine and everything for 14 days on either side. And it was really something. But yeah, they, uh, she, no, she went, it was a real, real shoot. All right. So eating watermelons, you think like it's such an American thing. We surely lead the world in watermelon consumption. And we eat a lot. We eat about 15 pounds per person per year here in America to the tune of about 5 billion pounds of watermelon a year. But Jack, that ain't nothing compared to China. In 2018, Chinese residents ate more than 150 billion pounds of watermelon. Yeah, that's 50 kilograms per capita. So we in the U.S., 15 pounds per person a year. Mm They eat 110 pounds wow. of watermelon per person per year. I had no idea it was so big in China. Well, yeah. I mean, it's and again, it's been there for over a thousand years. Yeah. So they've they've had a long time to really come to appreciate the watermelon. And, and buddy, do they ever. Well, we grow about two-thirds of our own watermelon here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The rest generally comes from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably are eating Florida watermelon. Maybe Georgia is number two, mm-hmm. uh, followed by Texas and California. But Florida is great for growing those watermelons because of the Jeez. weather, uh, because watermelons don't do well in the cold. So you can kind of grow them year-round in Florida. Yeah, there's really nothing better than Florida weather this time of year in particular. So um, one of the things about the the watermelons is that their growing season takes a little while. It's, I think 100 days, right? Yeah, so you're not going to grow them up north, probably, unless you start them indoors. Yeah, I mean, you can grow them anywhere. Like, one of the things, they spread so far and wide among Native Americans that the Hurons of the Great Lakes in Canada were growing them. So you can grow them anywhere. It's just, you can grow them all year round in Florida. You can grow them for a very limited window around the Great Lakes. But again, they'll grow just about anywhere. But one of the things about them, too, Chuck, is that they need a lot of space. Um, I saw on a University of Florida um, website, 
which I, I apologize for using that, Ooh. but I did. <laughs> uh, it's become so much more normalized to me since moving to Florida, like dealing and seeing like University of Florida stuff. It doesn't trigger me at all anymore. Really? Yeah, not okay. at all. Well, it's plus normal uh, Georgia's national champions in Florida. In <laughs> right, so, so who cares? So um, they, a watermelon needs 18 to 24 square feet per plant to grow. That's yeah. a lot of space. Yeah, we thought about growing watermelons here. It's, um, again, like squash, they tend to really take over. So just, I mean, grow your watermelon, but make sure you got the room and you don't mind being annoyed by how much they spread. Um, which really, I mean, are you going to be annoyed by some great watermelons growing in your backyard? No, I mean, of course not. Um, they also can rot, so you want to grow them on something that's going to keep them from rotting because they gotta, they're going to connect with the ground. They're, you can grow them on a trellis if your trellis is basically a steel crane. Right, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it takes. Um, and I saw that that it's it's tough to figure out when they're ripe, some varieties will have the stripe darken, you mm-hmm. know, the contrasting greens. But I also saw in a few different places, if you pick up a watermelon, there's a bald spot on the bottom where it rested on the ground. Yeah. If that bald spot is white or pale green, it's not ripe. If it's cream or yellowy, it's ripe. That's the best way to tell a watermelon's ripe. Yeah, my mom would always thump them in the store. I've read that doesn't actually tell you anything, and yeah. that it might actually tell you that they're overripe. Yeah, that, I could see that being a uh, just sort of a thing that you do that you see other people do. Have you ever smelled a cantaloupe? No. That's an amazing smell, and that's a good way to tell whether a cantaloupe is right. It should be rather pungent. You can but smell of course, a cantaloupe from the from the outside that rind. Yes. Okay. That's how you. T- that's that's a really good way to tell it's ripe. Give a give a cantaloupe a good smell, and you'll smell it right through that. My deal is I don't like other melons that much. I love watermelon, but Mm -hmm. cantaloupe has always been a little too bitter for me. Okay. And uh, what's the green one? Uh, Honeydew. Honeydew. That's the money melon. It's okay. I'm a watermelon guy, though. I am not a melon guy of any kind, really. Oh, not even watermelon, huh? No, I've got no problems with any of it. I'm not like, ew, gross, but you don't I, I also like don't really crave it. And like, you know, that fruit salad that you'll get with different kinds of melon and, yeah. and, and breakfast. I'm not like I, I don't live for that or anything. What's your ideal fruit melange? Describe it. Fruit melange is probably pretty pedestrian. It's what fruits would I maybe strawberries and blueberries together just Eating them by the handful. Okay, so you don't do it like a fruit mix? No. All right. What's yours? <laughs> well, I mean, we, we'll have big weekends at the lake with lots of families and stuff, and that's always a really good thing to put out for breakfast if you don't want to cook a big breakfast. Sure. Put out a bunch of pastries and things like that, and like, uh, and then mix together a big fruit melange. So, I mean, I'll throw everything in there. Strawberries, blueberries, uh, cut up pineapple, uh, grapes, um, you know, any kind of melon is always good to add. Mm-hmm. Uh, raspberries don't hold up that well. You know, they're pretty soft. So I try to put mm-hmm. in things, uh, uh, chop up a banana, put that in there. I think oh. all that all that stuff is really good mixed together. I don't know. Mixing a banana in there could get mushy real quick. Yeah, they can get a little mushy. And when a banana becomes discolored by other fruit juices, mm-hmm. it's not as appealing looking. It's not as appealing. <laughs> I genuinely thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one for you, Chuck. Have you ever had a Waldorf salad? Uh, sure. That's got With grapes like in it, right? Mayo and grapes and apples. Yeah. And walnuts, maybe. Yeah, apples good to put in there too. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with all those. That I would basically eat them all individually, you just don't and I'd be like, other. "Cheap bastard, can get us some real breakfast." <laughs> And just be be mad for the rest of the morning. Could you fry me up some bacon or make some biscuits from scratch? <laughs> yeah. Would it kill you to make some cinnamon rolls? Uh, I'd do that too. Um, all right. Should we take another break? Mm-hmm. All right. We'll take another break and we'll finish up with whether or not watermelons are even good for you after all, right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. 
Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, friends. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. Like, what are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood the best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Yeah, well, now it is, everybody, on Homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. Okay, Chuck, chemistry and nutrition time. Are they good for you? Uh, sure. I don't think they're particularly bad for you. Um, Livia says that a cup of watermelons has 46 calories, most of them coming from sugar. Yeah, that's not great. Um, a lot of water, but unfortunately, they also seem to have diuretic properties, which means that it would cause you to expel more water than you took in from it. Mm. Um that does have a little vitamin A, vitamin B6, vitamin C, some amino acids. I don't, I don't think it's bad for you. I don't know if it's a health food necessarily. Although, unless you cook it and you unleash the power of lycopene, right? Yes, lycopene is that pigment uh, that makes tomatoes red. Uh, it's sort of related to beta carotene with the, the orange of the carrots. But mm-hmm. watermelon, uh, it actually has more lycopene than tomatoes do. And some people say, hey, a lot of antioxidants in there, uh, so that's got to be good for you. But like you said, you have to cook the watermelon, which you can do. Uh, you can grill watermelon. Uh, it does it does very well on the grill, actually. You've done that before? Oh, yeah. I've never done that. I mean, I like it raw, but you can grill it up. So it says that it, it causes the, the meat of the watermelon um, to be... Uh, chewy? Does that happen? I haven't experienced super chewy, but I may not have left it on as long as you need to to reach that point because I don't I gotcha. don't like chewy things generally. So, um, what about uh, 
uh, watermelon rind pickles. I've always been interested in eating this, and I don't think I've been in too many places where they were there. And I guess when I was, I wasn't in the mood for them. So have you ever had a pickled watermelon rind? No, because, you know, I'm not into pickled things generally. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, I'm going to try them for the both of us, okay? All right. Uh, I did used to salt my watermelon a little bit when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do that anymore. Uh, not for any real reason other than I just like the taste as is. But some people put a little, little chipotle pepper, a little hot spice on there sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. You can juice them. Uh, you can make them in alcoholic beverages. Drop a little watermelon ball in there. Yeah, you can also... Um, so... If you like, it's kind of akin to salting them, but it goes really well with um, salty and non sweet tastes. Like, um, Yumi and I had a watermelon salad years back at a place called Harry's Pizza in Miami. Okay. They had chunks, it was very simple, but it was just an explosion of flavor. Yeah. You had chunks of watermelon, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Snipped up mint, a little snipped up fresh thyme. Yeah, mint is good with watermelon. Yes, it's amazing. Stracciatella, uh, which is like a very much waterier mozzarella, okay. like a looser mozzarella. Yeah. Um, and then some chopped up kind of just pecans. And yep. all of this in like minor amounts. You're not like making the Campbell's Chunky Soup version of this. It's all like just kind of sparse because mm-hmm. it doesn't take much. A little bit of olive oil. Maybe you throw a couple of grains of salt on there, but you probably are getting enough from the stracciatella mm-hmm. to do. Um, and it is... Everything just works really, really well together. And it's really easy to make. Like you can get all of those ingredients at any grocery store anywhere. And it's there it's an amazing little treat. I strongly recommend that. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Maybe you'd have trouble finding the stretchatella. It just use like a buffalo mozzarella or yeah. just some mozzarella that comes in like a water of some sort. Just use that. Yeah. And don't say mozzarella. No, coup de grace. <laughs> Uh, the whole thing with watermelon in, like you'll see it at you know a party sometimes. Someone will uh, bore a hole in a watermelon and turn up a full <laughs> bottle of vodka and stick it in there. Uh-huh. Yeah, good idea. That's a thing. I've never tried it, but there, uh, Livia points out there's a food writer for the Washington Post that said that's a myth. There's so much liquid in there, their vodka has nowhere to go. Yeah, it just pulls but, up. Like, it does. So, like, where does the vodka go, though? It goes somewhere, right? It's not like a. a... The idea is it doesn't infuse all the watermelon, right? I, I think it okay. will come dribbling out after a while, <laughs> <laughs> because the watermelon is it's ninety two or ninety six percent water, right? Yeah. So yeah, some of it will get sucked in. Before. It's not going to do what you're what you want it to do, allegedly. Right. I've never tried every, it either. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. I haven't either. So apparently this same food writer says you should scoop the watermelon out and then marinate it. And and I guess being exposed to air, it will dry out some and suck in whatever alcoholic marinade you're, you're marinating it in. Okay. Well, that makes sense. But that also brings up the idea of watermelon-flavored things, like watermelon Jolly Ranchers or chewing gum. Uh, it's... I think it's got a better track record than banana. I've come uh, to far, appreciate banana in my older age. Yeah, but it never tastes like banana. It tastes like whatever they do. I, I see your banana point. Flavoring, see. You know? Yes, yes, totally. But watermelon kind of has that same rap, which is like there's nothing that truly tastes like watermelon, no kind of candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently there's a reason for that. Uh, it is because that flavor is probably a product of an organic compound uh, called an aldehyde. Uh, specifically, I don't even know how you'd read this. Z, comma Z dash three, six, <laughs> nona dienyl aldehyde. Sure. Okay, you enjoyed that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, but the flavor of that specific organic compound is green cucumber, melony, fatty, and rindy with a hint of meat fat. I love it. Uh, but apparently, that breaks down so fast that they can't, in the lab, they can't convert that flavor into uh, something they can replicate very easily because they break down so quickly. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I just give them a break, basically, is the upshot of all that. <laughs> they're, they're trying. Yes. Now that I now that you say that about banana flavor, I wonder how much of banana flavor seeming like, oh, it's banana flavor, the candy, 
is from the yellow that's always associated with it. So, like, if you handed oh, somebody sure. just, like, a, a non-colored, like, just gray piece of candy right. that had that same <laughs> banana flavor and didn't tell them what it was supposed to be, like, what chance would they have of actually identifying it as banana? You should start a line of gray candy. <laughs> right. It's called, who cares? Josh is famous, gray candy. Yeah. Parentheses, who cares? Yeah. No, I, I, I think I'm with you. Uh, in fact, I think there's enough for a short stuff there. There's actually a lot of information about banana flavoring. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, maybe but, we should. But apparently not one on a watermelon-flavored short stuff. No, I don't think so. So uh, what else, Chuck? You got anything else about watermelons? Not really. I mean, uh, there are, you know, watermelon festivals and stuff like that all over the country if you're into mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Sure. It's it's sort of like anytime a town has a, a prized fruit or vegetable and it's in the sticks in the United States, they're probably mm-hmm. going to have a parade about it. That's right. Which is can be a lot of fun, I'm sure. Why not? Uh, there's probably lots of watermelon and everybody loves watermelon, so it can't be all that bad, right? Right. Um, okay, well, that's it for watermelon, everybody. If you want to know more about watermelon, go check out your local store and get started eating a watermelon. And also, shout out to a really um, great episode of Gastropod. They, they covered the watermelon's social and natural history, and that's worth checking out, too. Um, and since I said that's worth checking out, too, that means it's time for listener mail. I've been waiting to read this for an episode that was a little shorter because this is a little baggy, but it's worth reading. And here we are okay, uh, with this email from Ian Bowers. Uh, hey, guys, been listening for the better part of a decade. While it might be the bane of some listeners' existence, I love the off-the-wall tangents that you guys fall into. You never know what's going to trigger a memory, remind you of something that happened the other day. And at the beginning of 2021, I decided to keep a running tally of the best tangents <laughs> went on throughout the year. Did you mm. see this? No, I didn't. It's fantastic. Uh, Notice many of them tend to be movie or music related, but here are a few of my favorites and what episode they were from. You ready for this? I'm ready. This is great. So in the episode Space Weather, What's That? We had a tangent on John Mayer and the Grateful Dead, apparently. Uh, In the Hydropower episode, we had a tangent on Buttless Chaps, John (laughs) Belushi, and Stephen Stills. Okay. Is the free radical theory of aging wrong? We had a tangent on Justin Timberlake's attempt to revive MySpace. Yeah, I remember that. It sounds like you. Uh, in Space Junk Ahoy, we had a tangent on lighting farts. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one too. <laughs> that was, that took me by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the Havana Syndrome, we had one on Will Ferrell as Glenn Frey on SNL. Glenn Fry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Plus two more Eagle stories. Uh, And Hair Loss, The Pits, colon, The Pits. We had one on the smell of Pizza Hut reminding Josh of solid gold. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How Corporate Taxes Work, Hubba Bubba uh, versus Bubble Yum versus Bubblicious. This is like a trip down memory lane. It really is. About memory lanes. (laughs) It's pretty On our live show on Coco the Gorilla. I didn't know. Of course, we have tangents there, too. Sure. Uh, Huey Lewis is showing his wiener in a movie. (laughs) sounds like me mm-hmm. i'm always talking about huey lewis huey lewis's I, wiener i don't remember that one uh yeah he showed his his uh his penis in uh shortcuts the robert altman movie oh that's right just taking a leak into a river okay uh how reverse osmosis will save the world uh cypress hill still stands up is the quote okay and then another short cypress hill tangent shows up during heat waves so huh. we talked about them twice okay on short stuff colon chameleons, uh, both of your favorite scenes in Beetlejuice. Yes, I and then there's a couple of more here: the creepy legacy, of the Cecil Hotel, mysterious bag of crystal beans <laughs> to chuck in the middle of the night, <laughs> yeah. and then a crystal food discussion. Yeah, and then finally, the wars: uh, somebody buying the Silence of the Lambs house and turning it to an Airbnb. Yeah, that's right. So Ian says, "Keep up the great work. I think these things really let both of your personalities shine." And I think that's why most dedicated dedicated listeners continue to tune in after all the episodes you've released. I'm not going to keep track of tangents in 2022, but I happily welcome them. Ian, come on, buddy. Keep it up. We'll, oh, I'll do this I once a year should, if you keep up, keep up with them. We should release Ian from his obligations. 
Hey, this is Ian's uh, cross to bear. Ian can do it or not. Okay. But the offer stands, fine. Ian. All right. No one else. Yeah. There you go. I think that's fair. You know, if he wants to, cool. If he doesn't, we won't think any less of him. That's right. <laughs> What's his last name? Tangent guy. No. Ian Tangent. Ian Bowers. Are you sure it's not? Oh, okay. Ian, Ian Tangent Guy Bowers. Ian Ian, Tangent Guy is definitely his new nickname for sure. Uh-huh. Um, well, thanks a lot, Ian. That was very nice of you to do that. And yeah, if you want to do it again, we'll definitely read it next year. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us and try to start an annual thing, take your best shot. You can try it via email at stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today or just call them at 844-900-RUBY.